hey, and welcome to Insurance Town. I'm the Mayor Heath Sharon and the host of this podcast. And guys, today is going to be a fun one. I've got my friend Ryan Deeds coming in here. And if you don't know Ryan, uh, you're really going to enjoy this conversation. He's uh, such a good time and such a great conversation. And uh, I look forward to this, uh, you hearing this conversation. And I look forward to having the conversation, to be honest with you. So uh, today's conversation, uh, I couldn't go without telling you, is sponsored by my good friends over at Smart Choice. They are the fastest growing agency network for a reason. They, um, they want to work with you to help you to become the best agent you can be. They want to help you write as much business as you can. They want to help you to be as profitable as possible. And they do that by having no lengthy contracts, no upfront fees, and they share in their contingencies and their bonuses and things of that nature. They also help you in that by negotiating higher commissions and lower premium thresholds and volume uh, commitments. It's a pretty sweet deal. Um, if you're you know, moving over from captive to independent and you're looking for some markets, go there. If you are an existing and you need some markets, whether you need one or 10, you know, look out for them and uh, go to smartchoiceagents.com. They are uh, awesome. And uh, smartchoiceagents.com. Also, my friends over at Canopy Connect. I, I love working with Canopy Connect. They are your one-click solution to getting the deck pages that you need to quote your prospect. Give them a shot. Uh, I think you're going to be super impressed. And uh, they love doing what they do for you. And I would love for you to go to their website at usecanopy.com. Go to the backslash Heath and check out the discount, book a demo, all of the things. And, uh, you know, let's get on to the show. Let me get out of the way here and talk to you um, and let you hear this conversation with my man, Ryan Deeds. Ryan is uh, a product owner at Enable, and uh, he's got uh, such a uh, unique position in insurance, and he loves insurance agencies, and he loves working with people, and uh, he loves helping agents to get better. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Ryan D. <laughs> Ryan Deeds, my main man. How are you? Doing well, man. I'm doing well. It's good to be on with you today. Dude, it's awesome. And I see it on LinkedIn a lot. I see it on social media. But to see the hair right here in front of my face <laughs> right. on my very own Zoom, dude, that hair is phenomenal. Well, I mean, you know, everybody's going to have one good thing, right? And so, like, I was blessed with, with, with interesting hair that has a mind of its own. Actually, Today, I was going to go and do a bunch of videos and, and, you know, working on Enable stuff, but I wasn't like super high energy this morning, so I had to kind of wait because I was like, I'm going to be on Heath later. Let me bring it then. And so I just kind of saved it all up for you. Dude, yeah, I appreciate that. But the hair. Definitely out today. <laughs> uh, I may have to, I don't normally release, release video, but I may have to today with that killer hair, bro. <laughs> so. Anyhow, uh, that being said, uh, since uh, we're already talking about you and getting your hair, let's take a walk down memory lane. Why don't you tell the audience that doesn't know you already uh, who you are, where you come from, lead us up today, however far back you want to go. You've been on enough podcasts. You know the drill. Yeah, man. I mean, I think, you know, my journey in insurance started. Um, it's funny. I was kind of reflecting on this recently this week. <coughs> I used to be a 
system administrator at Tropicana. And I had a really bad day where I got turned down to, to get brought on. I was a contractor for them. They had two open spots for them to bring people on full time. And this was 2001, you know, tech was still new. Everything was kind of happening, the, the internet boom. Um, and I got turned down, man, and I take stuff to heart and I just broke my heart. So I go home and I'm crying. I'm a mess. And it was, I lived in Bradenton. It was like 45 minutes away. The drive was. By the time I got home, I was resolute. I was like, I'm going to get a new job. And so I went out and applied to a bunch of places and ended up landing my first insurance agency gig ever at uh, Linear Upshaw, which is a 7 million-ish revenue firm in Central Florida that I worked at for 10 years doing IT, data extraction, you know, really in learning the insurance agency space. The executive team embraced me as a partner and really helped me figure out you know the difference between a nuts and bolts it professional and some is a strategically aligned business you know force multiplier technologist um i spent 10 years there a decade it was awesome got a great foundation really understood what i needed to do moved to the Crichton group which is an insurance agency in florida they're about 14 million when i got i mean they were an insurance agency in nashville they're about 14 million in revenue when i got there 25-ish when I left. I was there for five years, but I came into that, that place with a data strategy, man. I like knew what I needed to do. I knew what we needed to get done. So we, they, I had like four interviews and laid out all this different strategy that I wanted to go through with them. They embraced it. They were like, yes, let's go. Did awesome things, accomplished everything I wanted to there. Um, got to a spot where Assurex then kind of came and said, hey, you want to come and work with us and help us with data? I'd made a small name for myself in the very, the, the, the niche of insurance agencies, I'd made a name for myself in the data space. So I went and worked for AssureX and AssureX was a group of 108-ish brokers around the world, some of the best in the nation, helping them with data strategy. What do we do with data? What do we do with the trust? Um, and then... You know, I got offered to, to come over to work with Enable and, you know, I was employee number four. Kabir uh, was coming back into the industry after risk match. He wanted to kind of take the lessons learned there and apply it. And I've been dealing with data and agencies forever. So I was like, yes, it's a perfect fit. I get to go hang out with InsureTech. I get to go learn that aspect, that part of it. So that, that's where I landed. As at the first year at Naval, I did products. So really helping design the offerings that we have and what we were going to bring to market. We, we, you know, we luckily were very well funded. Kabir has um, a, lot of, a lot of influence in the industry and has some capital available. So we have a large team of like 35 employees right now and uh, built the product very quickly. And then after a, a year, I went over into public relations or sales or business development. And now that's where I find myself and, you know, work. That's funny because I used to always chide the producers like, ah, you're just, you're out there selling. You know, I, I was an operations person, so I'd always give them a hard time. And now I'm out there selling it, trying to bring awareness to the problems that we solve and what we do. And so it's, but I love being still in the space. I love being, you know, able to, to interface with agencies and I'm excited about, you know, the conferences that are coming up and, getting back out there and so but yeah that's kind of me that's where i've been that's what i've been through ran did the digital podcast digital broker podcast we had 110 episodes of that that was kind of early on in the podcast game before uh, there was there was so many good quality content podcasts like yours out there Heath. yeah man i appreciate that well <laughs> before i get going i've noticed this several times enable you've got it tattooed on your body I do. I do actually. I have it tattooed twice on my body. <laughs> right. So it, it, this is like 
long term, like this is it for you. There's no more jumping around. You're at enable. Well, I mean, you know, I it's like that girlfriend. You can't scratch it off. You know, you don't want to put. So, right. But people have different philosophies about it, right? Like people see that and they're like, oh, he's crazy. Or, I mean, I've gotten a lot of flack for it. But ultimately, our jobs and the things that we do drive a lot of who we are and they fuel the lives that we want to live. And, you know, I've been lucky to kind of shape a career. Um, and it wasn't purposeful, right? Like there's a couple of key moments that I remember where I didn't get out of the industry when I thought I might and I stayed in because it was a better fit for me at that point in time. But, you know, in each of my agencies, I fought for equity. I wanted to have a piece of it. I wanted to be, have a part of it. And then when I came over to Enable, I was able to, to, to get that. And, you know, it's a part of my story. It's the thing that fuels my life. It, it, yeah. it, it's the combination of all the things that I've come through with data and insurance agencies to finally be in this space where I can maybe bring this to the firms that will really leverage it. And it just made sense to me, which is a weird thing. I mean, you know, I, 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 I but to me, it's a part of the journey. It's a part of the story. We, we, we want to separate ourselves from work. The reality is you can't. You, 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 there's a lot of you in your job. There's a lot of your job in you, especially if you're working in the careers that we're working in. Yeah, no, I agree. And so that being said, you know, we talked about this. We were just going to wrap. And so we're going to do this. And um, I want to know, okay, you brought up your story and Enable is now part of your story. Pull the curtain back a little bit on Ryan Deed's personal life a little bit, if you don't mind. You know, yeah. how does this relate to that? I know you're tight with your daughter. Do you have one daughter? Do you have more than one? So I've got a 19-year-old in Florida. It's funny. She, like, literally just called. She got back from the Bahamas. Her birthday was yesterday. She was in the Bahamas for a week. She calls me because she forgot where she parked her car when she flew back into Miami. So she just spent three hours looking for it. But, yeah, I mean, I think for me, you know, I, I think about – how little I will be remembered in a hundred years, right? Like none of the things that we do in a hundred years are going to matter that freaking much, unless you're like Obama or Trump or, you know, something like that. And that's not me. I mean, I'm a dad first and everything that comes into my life needs to fuel my ability to be a good father, a good dad, because ultimately if I'm not that, I'm not going to be happy. Right. That to me, that is the core thing, at least during this, these years that, that, they are my responsibility. They, they are under my tutelage. So, you know, I think first in life for me is to be a father and the jobs that I have fuel my ability to, to do that effectively. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I'm super close to Tori. Tori's nine. She and I are best friends. We hang out all the time. Um, you know, I, her mom and I divorced in 2019. It was an amicable splitting. Your mother was great about the, the, the we were married 18 years I mean, it was a great marriage great woman <clears throat> i'd kind of mess some things up but we're friends now we co-parent effectively um but yeah man i mean i think uh, beyond you know this job this like working remotely i can take her to school every morning i can pick her yeah. up every afternoon right i get to be the first person she sees after school i get to hear what she went through get the get get the nuance of it right because that's where the meat of a relationship is it's in that organic kind of moments that you never really thought would happen but they just do when you have time together and um after we divorced i i had moved to nashville for six months just to kind of figure stuff out right i've been i was yeah. in relationships forever and and I knew real fast that I was moving back to Clarksville because I was too far from my kids. I, I wasn't able to be in their lives every day. And now Tori's with me probably, you know, five nights a week with her mom, three or four nights a week. 
Um, and, you know, and that's, that's, that's my primary goal. Everything else is about trying to get, you know, be the dad I need to be, you know, it's such a limited time. And I think having a 19 year old, right. You can look back at that. And you're like, damn, that went fast, you know? And so, um, I've got a girlfriend, I got two dogs, I've got a cat and, you know, so that's kind of this domestic, like we call it domestic adventures, but we have domestic adventures yeah. like all the time. And that's kind of I, what we're about. I appreciate you pulling back that curtain because that's one of the things I can't tell you how many times I've asked the question and had to edit it out of my podcast. When I ask people about, whether you call it work-life balance, whether you call it, you know, spending time with your family, whatever it might be. And people, people don't have that answer or they'll tell me I'm not a good person to ask on that because as a producer or as an agency owner or as a insure tech vendor, whatever it might be, so many times people put their identity in their job or they put their identity in what they do for a living. And so it's a tough thing. I'm not going to lie. But I think what you just nailed it right there. Uh, and some people that do get it, you have to blend the two together and understand that Enable is part of you. Uh, Insurance Town's a part of me. Agency Performance Partners is a part of me. The things that I do in my life, it's a part of me. And, you know, that has to coincide. You know, I get to take my kids to school every morning. Then I come to work. I take them home from school every day. You know, there's times if they got a program, I just go do that and then come right. back. And I may have to work at seven o'clock at night to make up for it. But it has to be that way, in my opinion. Yeah, no, and I love it, man. I mean, I, I think about, you know, I mean, I had a good relationship with my parents, right? My parents are good people. They're still married and, you know, great, great, great role models. But the relationship that I had with my parents was very different than the relationship I have with my children. You know, I mean, I know what my kids are into, right? Like, we play games together. We hang out. We watch movies. I mean, we, we'll, we'll sit and just pontificate about life for hours. I mean, and I, you know, a lot of that, when I was a young child, I had a sister that passed away a SIDS and I got put into therapy for, for, and what was a blessing. And every time I have a podcast, you know what? I say, thank you to Laura. Laura was my little sister who died. She was like 30 days old, you know, but I went through like 12, 14 years of therapy after that. And I would not be the communicator that I am or the person that I am without that, without having that in my life, you know, without having that therapy. And so I always feel like um, her, hopefully I honor her sacrifice is kind of how I think through that, you know, but um, you know, I, I think that those, those things I've been able to bring to my children in kind of an introspective, you know, our perception is just that it's limited to our experience, you know, broaden yourself. Don't get tied into just what I know. I'm not the definitive answer by any means. I've got an, I've, I'm a collection of wrong opinions you know? <laughs> and, I, and I try to preach that to them as well. Like, you know, validate, verify, go get your own information, you know, and bring that back and we can discuss it. And, and I'm going to be wrong sometimes and I'll change sometimes. And you know, I think, I think being open in life is a big thing, right? Like, who can you learn from? What can you learn from that person? And what can you take away from that individual? And I learned from my kids probably more than anything else ever, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think that's exactly right. And I, I love to hear that. I try to be the best father I could be. And of course we all drop the ball sometimes and mm. being the best husband we can be and be the best, everything that we can be employee, whatever it might be, you know? And I think, uh, you know, I, I love to hear that. And, and I think that we all kind of struggle in that area, but if we can all come together in that and recognize we're no longer, at least in the insurance industry, in my opinion, in an eight to five type situation. And uh, I think COVID's helped with some of that. I think just in general, we have to recognize where we all are. We're all struggling with the same things. So to hear that part of your story is fantastic. And I think 
what I do love about our industry while we're on that for a minute is the idea. I hope that people are starting to embrace this more is the collaboration, you know, who we are, what we're doing. You mentioned conferences starting up again. And I'm excited about that because I'm a people person by heart. and I, I love, you know, hanging out with people, getting to know people's stories and telling their stories for that matter. But the idea of knowing that, you know, you and I, you know, we're connected in a way, not just by insurance, but as, as fathers, as people, and then we could share ideas. Like, I don't know uh, the first thing about data, you know, but I could come to you and talk to you about it. Or some of these agencies out there may not know how to do this or that, but if we can learn how to come together yeah. and continue to cooperate together and to collaborate, and it's the only way we're going to move the ball forward as an industry. Yeah. I mean, I think like, and it's crazy, right? You look at these kids today. What they know how to do is access information more rapidly than any other generation ever, right? My 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 nine year old, if I can't have an answer, she'll have four answers by the time, like, she, and, and that that's dangerous sometimes because she'll come up and ask me some sketchy stuff, like some things that I'm like, man, I wish we didn't have to address this right now at nine. Bingo. But if I if I don't, you're gonna go find your own information. You probably do that anyways, but at least let me give you my take on it first, you know. And I mean, and that's what that's what this generation is going to be great at, right? Is is finding information that that they don't have. That and that's kind of you know when we look at collaboration and we look at team, I will only ever know this much about every, anything, right? You just can't. You, you just have a limited capacity. Any one individual has a limited capacity to understand and know stuff. So yeah, I agree with you. I think that COVID has helped. I think that it's really you know this instant. Learning how to build relationships over video, which I think the year one, we were like, ah, we're not doing that. We're going to use video. We're going to talk back and forth. But now I've got to the place where like, I am building relationships over video. Like I've got a couple of buddies that we meet once a week on video with. We'll have some beers, chit chat about stuff. I've got a couple that I meet bi-monthly, you know, and retaining, maintaining, growing those relationships through this mechanism, which aids that collaboration because I do think that through this we've had a lack of new ideas that come into our own minds because our our local environment is so static right like who you see in a day is pretty much the same and so if you don't figure out a way to get new stuff into your mind you just get in a circle and so I love that aspect of, of this era that we're in yeah connection yeah I completely agree and there's people in this industry you know, I started my podcast during the pandemic. It's kind of where it all started. And so for me, like some of the people that I talk to today that I call some of my best friends or close friends or brothers or whatever it might be, I've never met them face to face. It's crazy. No, and like one of those people, for example, being, you know, Mitch Gibson, close friend of mine. We've talked a million times. A day. We talk every week, several times. We've never met. Then we end up meeting at the One City World Tour event in Denver. Uh, and we were like, we've known each other for years, but yet we've never met. Like same thing with Jason Cass, Brad, Bradley Flowers, people like that have never met. And we call each other friends. Now we've met, we, but it's weird that first time you meet them. Like, yeah, yeah. There's an awkward. But you've got to build that relationship and look at it beyond just this is just a, a temporary fix. This is a long-term right. solution to a problem we didn't know we had. Yeah, yeah, man. And I mean, I, you know, yes, COVID has been terrible. But I think for our industry, you know, what it did was, so, you know, we would discuss remote pre-COVID. The yeah. argument would always be from leadership that we were going to lose productivity and we didn't trust 
Then they were forced. Yeah. And, and people went home and the world didn't end. Right. And so now, now they're kind of screwed because now they're like, oh, COVID's over. We want you guys to come back to the office. And, but they can't lean back on the arguments about productivity or trust any longer because they, they had addressed that. And the employees, I mean, I saw a poll today that the lady said, you know, like for remote work, you know, do this for hybrid and do something else for, for uh, in office. And in office was about eh, 3% compared yeah. to all, the, and this was 10,000 votes on this thing, you know? So, I mean, this is the way of the future. And I think it's really interesting. Like, where do you see our industry, you know, retail agencies, midsize, are what are they going to do? I mean, are they, are, do you think that they'll stay remote? You think they're going to pull their people back? You know, this, this competitive nature of talent acquisition now, it's the dynamics kind of shifted, hasn't it? No, I definitely agree with that. I think to answer the first part of your question, I think that, you know, as Ryan Hanley says on his podcast, sometimes he could put a, a dot anywhere on the map and start marketing right there and take business out of your backyard, whether he's in, I think he's in Albany, New York, or wherever he's at, uh, right. Buffalo. And he could pick up business in California, no problem. You know, I think that people have to embrace that. And I think you have to expand those boundaries of where you can and cannot write business. And I think beyond that, as far as what you're talking about with employees, no longer do you have to think about employing somebody. If you're going to go remote-wise, remote you can't just think, okay, I need to recruit from another local agent or recruit from Chick-fil-A or recruit from – a real estate company, whatever, you can expand that search now to anywhere. Um, you could search, hell, there's people that have uh, virtual assistants in the Philippines right now yeah. that are doing yeah. phenomenal, phenomenal work. Um, so I think you just have to expand. And those that do, I think you're going to still see them around. You know, those that don't, I, I think they're going to be, you know, a part of a merger or an acquisition, or they're going to be obsolete so to speak um that's my thing too man i mean i saw this great post one of the guys that we know on linkedin he runs uh something out of canada like one of the an insurance agency out of canada and he posted this thing up like we're full remote we're coming to, you know if, if your agency is making you go back give me a holler these are all the things that you can do i mean and it was so smart because i think yeah if i'm an account manager that's decent so i got five years in i've been working yeah. on it and I'm sitting in, you know, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Three years ago, my opportunities to work in that area were relatively limited because I of, of the geographical scarcity of, of these agencies, right? Right. But now, I, as the employee, it can go a million different places that I never even could have dreamed of before. So those employers that don't figure that out, I think, are going to be... You know, I'd be curious to see two years, two years from now, if we don't continue to have quarantine crap, you know, because I do think there's significant economic ramifications for not going back to work. I mean, I personally will, will, will always try to never do that again. Like hybrid's okay, but I like being home. I like being able to take care of my kid and have that relationship. But I do worry about like all the dry cleaners, all the restaurants, all those things that were around the business parks that, that were supporting the economy and what happens to those in, in a large way if this work from home sticks like I think it will, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, uh, I, I, I think you're right on that. I think uh, 
just like we do, um, they're going to have to adapt some of those, you know, different uh, businesses you mentioned and things of that nature. But, you know, I said early on, and not that I was smarter than anybody else, but I said early on my first two or three podcasts of, I, you know, again, it was height of COVID, very beginning of COVID. I don't think people will ever go back. Um, and this was like April, you know, when I first started the podcast, like, I don't think we're going back to work in a traditional sense. I think there's people, there's anything wrong with that. Uh, I think, um, you know, I think that if we put it in this perspective, and I could be wrong, you tell me your thoughts. Pre-COVID, I think insurance industry was 1979. Post-COVID, maybe 84, somewhere in that range. Post-COVID, I think we're about 2005. I think we, we've, you know, we've gone forward 20 or 30 years. I think the technology is better. I think we've focused our time better. We're looking at different avenues. Our marketing strategies have gotten better. You know, the way we do business is light years from where we were pre-COVID 1984. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. I mean, one of the last podcasts I did on Digital Broker was really thinking through, yeah, it was right at the very beginning of COVID when, when everything was popping off. But that's what we were kind of thinking is like, this is going to really be a massive accelerator. And I mean, so often, I don't know if it's the tech, it's the people, right? It's the trust. It's the leadership trusting individuals to go when you had when you have principal A that looks at Bob who sat in a seat and been there from eight to five every day for, for the vast majority of his career. And the principal's like, that person is productive. I see that person there. It fulfills the data requirement that I have on what productivity looks like to me, right? As I as I quantify that. I think that has shifted significantly, right? And the fear has been lifted off of those individuals to allow them to do that. What we hear now is, you know, remote hinders collaboration, remote hinders innovation, um, re remote hinders uh, culture. And to be honest, I'm like, yo, you know, if you're if you're a smart agency, you're figuring out how to innovate, how to collaborate, how to drive culture remotely. Because if you're making them come back to the office, you're not going to have any of it. If that's the force, you're not going to you're going to fall behind these organizations that have figured that out and have failed at doing that initially and learn how to do it successfully. Ultimately, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. I think there's creative ways that you can create culture with virtual employees, and I think. You know, early on, I remember, if you can remember back two years ago or whatever it was when it first started, you know, we'd have these Zoom happy hours. And people thought, oh, that's going to be the culture. We're just going to have some drinks together. We're going to laugh or whatever. And I remember, you know, thinking, oh, that's going to be, and I worked for a team that we did that. I don't see as many of those anymore. But I do see, um, for example, uh, virtual team meetings that are um, not even necessarily on Zoom. It's like, a Google Doc goes out. It's not on Zoom, but it's just a, a unique way to learn about each other. Yeah, I think, you know, there's unique, different ways to build that culture. Maybe it's, you know, uh, around Christmas time, I heard, of, you know, an office doing some cool stuff with Secret Santa gifts on drop shipping stuff and people just doing fun stuff with that kind of stuff. I think there's ways to have fun with a culture over a virtual as opposed to everybody's got to come back because we have to see you. And the days of like, 
Jeans on Friday. That's our culture. <laughs> right, dude. That was, I think about that all the time. Like, that was the thing, man. You've got a, yeah. you've got a jean day on Friday, bro. You would be so excited, right? Like, that was right? like a pinnacle. Like, yes. We got a casual day coming. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and you're right. That was like 2017, right? Like, that, that is not decades away. I right, mean, that was just the other day. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, so true, man. I, I don't know, man. I think about all kinds of cool stuff. Like if I'm an agency that has a remote workforce, I would way prefer to say, look, every six months, we're going to get everybody together and we're going to have, you know, a week long or a five day long get together bash that we deal with some problems. We do some communication stuff and we hang out and, and, and team build, you know, it, it, I, I think they're like you said, but I think ultimately you just got to start trying. You got to start trying. Yeah, you got to try whatever works, whatever fits yeah. with your folks. Uh, and you're always going to find out, you know, different things on people as you get to know them and you're going to find a, a common thread within everybody. And so if that common thread is, you know, majority of your team loves uh, escape rooms. I don't know. I'm just making right. stuff up. Maybe you meet together to an escape room. You know, yeah. the majority of your team loves to watch Netflix. Okay. Then maybe you decide on one show together, you watch it, you talk about it on Fridays. I don't know. There's got to be something out there in your agency that works and you can build that culture. And uh, I think culture has changed its definition over the last two years. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I think that, you know, I think every agency has, I mean, you know, it's weird. Like, I worked at a Shurex and now I'm at Enable, but and I, I miss it. I miss a family agency. You know, I mean, I yeah. do. It's, it's, um, you know, there is something about being on that independent agent side that yeah. is special and unique. And I mean, you know, I, I, I think that watching them evolve makes my heart happy because, you 100%. know, percent. Yeah, I don't want anybody scared early on. You know, it's like what right. the heck? I don't want anybody listen hear me thinking that I'm saying that there's no room for independent local agents out there. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is the local independent that if you still want to support the local soccer teams, and if you want to still be a part of the local chamber, by all means, I love that. You know, I had a local agency and I worked in local agencies. I, I love that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I think there's an opportunity here for local agents to be able to expand their marketing territory, to be oh, yeah. able to expand how they do things and, Pick up you know, producers not be, where they never could before, right? Pick up AM, AMs where they never could before. I mean, you know, if you're living in Greenbrier, freaking Kentucky, and you've got a two or three person agency, you would never in a million years have thought about getting somebody from Oklahoma. But now, I mean, it's absolutely on the radar, right? Where you could right. create that and go find that individual that will help your agents wherever they sit. You know. I think on the flip side of that, that I think is interesting, and I, I'm interested to see, like you said, two, three, five years from now what this looks like. I think the days of the, I hate to say this out loud, but I'm going to, the days of the excuses of a salesperson to say, I don't have enough prospects, or I don't have this going on or that going on, I think I thought out the window, because now the sky's the limit on what you could chase after. Um, We're at a mid-roll ad, a mid-roll ad, and I want to talk to you about my friends over at Agency Performance Partners. They do a phenomenal job in our industry to help agents like you become ridiculously amazing. And Kelly has stepped into over 1,500 agencies, and she has helped them so much by using her, her proven tips, strategies, processes, procedures that have worked time and time again with agencies just like you. And 
The cool thing is that she's put so much of her trainings right there online in a do-it-yourself model just for you called the Agency Performance Pack. Uh, these are, are videos. These are trainings. These are PowerPoints. They are uh, workbooks. You get all of it right there at a great low price at $245 a month. Yes, you heard that right, $245 a month. And you can get all of her trainings from time management to retention to sales, hiring guides. There is a course on planning and executing your agency and putting in goals and strategies to help you to become better. There's so much out there. And they redo or upgrade or add new courses every single quarter. Agencyperformancepartners.com. Check that out. Also, my friends over at Cover Desk, they are the premier place to go for virtual assistance. If you've got uh, an opportunity to offload some some uh, task and offload some some work from one of your employees, why not do that with a virtual assistant? They come in, they become part of your agency, part of your team. They are trained in our insurance space. They know a lot of the carrier systems. They know a lot of the management systems. And Andy and his team have done a great job of training them in our space. So they plug right in and they do a great job. I uh, personally work with several of these, uh, uh, several of these virtual assistants, and they are such a value add to what we do. And I love it. And I think you will too. If you have any ideas or any thoughts or questions, concerns, anything about virtual assistants, go to coverdesk.com. Book a time to visit with them about it. They'll answer all your questions. They'll put your mind at ease and they will help you to get the right virtual assistant for your agency to help you to become more efficient, to sell more policies and focus on what you do best, which is building relationships with your clients. Go to coverdesk.com and check it out. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, I mean, I tell you, it's been, uh, you know, transition to sales has been interesting, bro. Like, like it's cool. If I can get a meeting, right, I feel good about it. But I've emailed 450 different individuals and I've customized video, one minute videos on probably, I don't know, half. So call it 220. So that's one minute video of me. Hi! <laughs> you know, like, yeah. <laughs> put their name up there. Hi, Ken, how are you? Research their agency, talk about it. I haven't had one click, not one click on a video, man. I keep trying. And so like, I think it's, I, I and obviously that's another reason I'm super excited about going to conference. You know, I, I got to figure out how do I get in front of these individuals that I know are dealing with problems? How do I, can, how do I help them understand how enables process and delivering that technology is different than the other things that they've bought and been burned by. Cause I think right. that's what we're hitting is kind of a technological reticence where I've invested all this money in the tech and I never get the return off of it. And so, no, man, I've got mad respect for people that have been in the sales game for a long time. You know, this, the, the cold email thing, uh, I've, I've been doing that for about six weeks and I sure has not been very successful for me. And uh, yeah. I can constantly try to get better at it so I can figure that out. But, I, you know, but so you I don't know if, if I'm a producer, if I'm hyper niched out and I have good, I, I so I'm niched out as hell. I have good programs with a carrier. I really know the problem and I can, can illustrate how my process helps that client drive their insurance costs, makes them safer long term. Maybe that's a more palatable pitch than, hey, insurance agency, buy more technology. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, 
And, and I think you're right. And I don't say that to, to dog because I'm a you know producer at heart myself. I'm just saying I think you're right. If you're super niched out, you can have that problem solution. And that's what it boils down to, solving the problem, you know, meeting that need. And I think that's, you know, where enable, you know, once, again, the biggest thing you're doing is you're at least doing it. Um, and I think, you know, having a process uh, to follow up, let's say you send that cold email, you send that, uh, that video, then after that, you got to have a process from there. I'm not trying to, you know, tell oh, you. No, no, I mean, I, I do it. I'm saying all about it, like. Like yeah, I just pipe drive, that's that. exactly what I kind of do, right? Is like I and it's not like we in my world, I don't have an unlimited, I don't have 300. Like you go to these guys that are doing automated emails and they're like, Oh yeah, if you've got three million pro, I'm like, I don't, I've got like three thousand prospects. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't have three million. No, and that's so what, you know, and yeah. I don't I, I don't want to like muddy the waters, I don't want to come off as spammy, and so and it's a learning game, but you know, I think it's an interesting challenge and one that I that I I Definitely am interested in, in learning, really taking another look at some of the produce lessons I've learned from producers over the time and trying to apply that in a way, you know. Yeah, and I think I think okay, the biggest thing I'd say, you know, is whether it's you or a producer out there or anybody listening to this, underwriter, marketing rep, just doing it, trying things out. And you have to fail sometimes to succeed. And I think you learn from your mistakes, you figure it out and you rock on. And, you know, I don't know how many times you and I both have probably failed on flat on our face. And then we learn nine times, nine yeah. times, every task I ever do is that's my kind of goal is like, can I get this knocked before the ninth iteration? Cause you're in technological, when I was working in agencies, right. Trying to implement technology was always challenging. And what we found, what I found was that by that ninth iteration of whatever solution we were bringing, we got really good at it, you know? And yeah. so that's kind of what, what, but you got to start, you got to start failing, you know? And so that's, you have to, and I think if you're listening to this, if you don't take anything else away from it, you got to be willing to fail. You got to be willing to get that ninth iteration. You got to be willing to go through that, learn from your mistakes, figure that process out, whatever that looks like for you. And uh, I think it's like you said, just start, start something. I don't care what it is. If it's woodworking, right? Like you can read yeah. and YouTube and all that crap. Right. But if, if, if you jump off the cliff, you start, man, then you start to accumulate wisdom, right? I mean, you, you start messing up, you start screwing around, start having small wins, those little dopamine hits are hitting you. Yeah. I mean, and, and that, that I think, builds your ability to do stuff. So, yeah, if it's digital marketing, if it's freaking what, doing video on LinkedIn, you know, I mean, anything. Because now I'm so comfortable on video. <laughs> like, dude, it's like, you know, I'd make a video in two minutes before I used to think about it a lot and stress about this. Yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, whatever. And I was just going to knock yeah. it out, you know. But I also think that, and I'm going to go back, I'm going to wrap it back up to, or go back to what you said in the beginning, making it part of your story. You know, you know, once you get it going, do that. I think if you tie it into uh, emotionally or whatever you want to call that, but wrap it into your story, you know, you know, Ryan Deeds, you know, why, why, why buy from Ryan Deeds? Why work with Ryan Deeds? Here's your story. Here's why. Here's what I am. Here's what I'm about. You know, and then, you know, tie that into them and how you could solve that problem by working with you and who you are, right. you know, producers out there listening not, not only try and fail, but also make it part of your story. Figure out a that's way right. to make well, it. Well, I mean, in, in part of your day, story. It's, it's humans helping humans, though, right? That's where we get our. That's where we get our joy Bingo. from. I mean, at least Keep in my opinion, people. you know, it's it's can can me knowing you make your life better? You know, can, yeah. can you knowing me can, can, 
does our power together amount to more than our power separate? And I think the answer almost all the time is yes. And, and, and so I think that as, as we can learn together and hop off each other's failures and, and roll forward, you know, I think that those, those are big things, right? I completely agree, man. Um, so, you know, enable, you know, you said it's part of your story. I've seen the tattoos um, and we've talked a little bit about who, who Ryan Deeds is, but tell me just a little bit, if you don't mind, as we wrap up, what is enable? If people wanted to learn more about it, tell us, maybe give me your elevator speech, your elevator pitch. You're about to go to conference. Here's your opportunity to practice. Hey man, I, I've got it down. Like on these one minute videos now, like I've got it down. Like, you know how they used to always in our, in our agencies, right. They'd have the producers come up and the producer, they'd have like a whole table of people that would judge the producer's pitch, right? He'd go yeah. up there and like it would happen every week until they got to a place where they finally passed like this this gauntlet. And so yeah. I feel like I've gotten there now. You know, I think <clears throat> Enable is an organization that was created specifically to help insurance agencies really harness the power that's in their data with the acknowledgement that a lot of their data is not great, right? It's not, it's not perfect. So we have a process that comes in, accesses that data, corrects a lot of it, augments it with third-party information, and then gets it prepared for the agency to use. And then we provide visualizations, graphs, data access. So any question you had, hey, who's my top carrier? Boom. Which carrier pays me the least commission percentage? Boom. Which carrier did I lose the most business with? And you're just, you can ask these questions in our search engine and get those answers delivered. And so those are the two things that we really do. It's accessing the data from any system. So you have a phone system, a CRM, email, you have AMS, three AMSs, it doesn't matter. Enable agent comes in, connects that stuff, sucks all that data out, corrects it, augments it, makes it usable. That now it's ready for your agency to use. That's product one. Second product is the visualization suite that goes on top of that, that allows you to really make decisions. And one's enable data and the other's enable decisions. And that's what we do, man. I mean, and for me, we wrap that around a process. So we wrap, wrap a process around that because we understand that most agencies that have listened to this, they've bought technology. They've bought it and they've had an easy button promise and that they never were able to net a result on or the result that they got was less than the energy they put in. So we have a really good process that helps the agency say, look, what do you want to do with our thing? What you want to drive five results? What are they? This is how we're going to use it. We work with the team to make sure they can leverage that for the first year, iterate through those goals. Then by the end of that year, now they know how to leverage the technology they've actually implemented effectively and they're using it to value. And so that's kind of what Enable is bringing to market and what I'm out there kind of preaching about, because those are the things that I fought with in my career as I try to drive data into insurance agencies. That's awesome. So uh, let me ask you this then. Um, And so if I'm agency owner, Mm-hmm. And I'm working with maybe maybe I'm deciding right now I want to develop a new niche. Could I search enable to say what class codes have we written the most? Yes, because we when we augment that data, right? We take all your clients. That's the first thing we do. We take all your clients. We go to like four different sources so we can get NAICS, right? So because a lot of insurance agents, we know verticalization is the future of, of profitable business in insurance agencies, right? Sure. But I'm an insurance agency that I doesn't know that I have verticals in the space. I, I, I think I do, but I don't know what the volume right. is. Yeah, instantly now you go to the industries tab and you can see, oh, damn, here's all the industries are right. Here's the carriers are right in those. Here's the products that are there. Here's the clients that we have in those industries that don't have those products that they should have that all the other clients do have. 
So you've got your cross-sell opportunities. We out monoline accounts. I mean, we do really, and that's, that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's, I really want agencies to be purposeful with those goals, those five goals they bring to the table on the initial conversation. So again, it's funny because someone will be like, I don't have time to do that. Well, then you're not a fit for us. You know, if you don't have time to figure out the goals that are going to drive your business forward and invest the time to learn how to use the tool, let's, let's reapproach this down the road, you know, because, because that's the issue. But if they can do that, then we can show them exactly how to use it on a daily basis to drive those results, to build that growth, to, to really increase the, the technological advantage they have. And I mean, Heath, I'm scared. I mean, honestly, like, you look at these big shops like USI, who's using data to value like crazy on benchmarking, on client education, on understanding where their clients are, who they are. Every year, independents don't go that direction. That capabilities gap gets larger and larger. And I think it gets exponentially larger. And, and that that truly does worry me. And it's, and it's I get so conflicted because I truly am passionate about this, but then I don't want to be like a sales dude and be like, Hey, you know, cause now it's the same message I've had my entire career. Now I'm just, there's, there's gain for me if, if I solve this problem. And I think I get confounded a little bit about how to make sure that message comes off as authentic and not too pitchy, you know? And that's the thing, you know, for you, you could tell when you're talking about it, the passion is there. As long as that passion to help the end user is there, I think that's going to come through. Uh, I really do. So one other thing. So my thoughts also with Enable, if I'm an agency owner, you can also use this as an accountability tool for some of your carriers or for some of your producers or for some of... Oh, hell yeah. I mean, we have... Oh, guys, like you have contingency tracker, right? So I want to grow with these eight eight carriers. Here, here's the Here's what we need to do over the year to hit our contingency goals or profit share goals. We have that baked into the product. We have producer validation, producer goal setting. We have data alerts if you're trying to get your data right. So, hey, how many active expired policies do you have? When all this revenue stuff, all these different data audits that help your account managers feel safer about doing business. It's stuff that I brought that I've already built in other agencies and we had worked, we had used heavily. We were like, hey, let's bring that to enable. And so I mean, there is a lot within the platform that it does. I like to really focus on a couple key things per agency. My, you know, my first meeting is never talking about enable. It's always, who are you as an agency? What are the things you're trying to do? What are the problems you're running into? Then on our subsequent meeting, we can kind of follow that up and say, hey, here's how I see you leveraging our platform. You know, here's what you're going to need to do to, to make that happen. Are you willing to do those things? Um, and sometimes operationally, it's just not the right time, right? Like you probably got like in any agency, they got 50 things they got to do. And this is a tool. It's, it's a tool that they have to use to get the results out of. But for every dollar they spend with Enable, they should be able to get two bucks out of it if they use it. You know, and, and that's that, that seems like an easy, easy thing for me. And that's... I don't even want to open another can of worms here with the statement, but you made the statement and I'm going to follow up with, I think that's really any technology that you put in, if you're using it. And I hear that complaint all the time. Well, it didn't work. Well, did you try it? How much effort did you put in? Or did you just quit after a month? If you buy a piece of technology or if you are an agency owner that has shiny object syndrome and you purchase whatever it is, enable or any other piece of technology, use it and continue to use it, fail a couple of times, keep trying, keep trying. If it comes to the end of the day after a couple of years or six months or whatever your trial period is, and you decide it's not a good fit for me, I get it. But don't buy it, open it up and say, oh, it's, it's going to work immediately. I don't have to. No, it's got to. Yeah. 
it takes time for anything, right? Like, and I didn't see this all the time, right? <laughs> she comes up to me and says, hey, look, Ryan, I've used six CRMs, man. They all suck. Which one do I need to use that works? I'm like, um, the common component there is you. <laughs> right? And agencies never want to look and be introspective and say, yeah, you're right. We suck at using technology. They want to say, yeah, it's the vendor's problem. It's that thing. It's this thing. I mean, we did it at the shops I was at. We would buy a lot more craft than we could put the value. At the end of the year, we'd look and say, how do we use that? Oh, we implemented one department. It did three things. Let's get rid of it. That technology sucked. It didn't. Our ability and our desire at that point in time to leverage that wasn't where it needed to be. And we didn't devote that. The same thing with AMSs. A person that says, oh, my AMS is terrible. I'm like, how much training do you do with that? How, when's the last time you did a total refresh right. on your training schedule for that AMS? You know, what are the gaps that, you, that can do that another one can do that that one can't do? It's not just bad stuff, man. I mean, it works. You just got to, you got to train. You got to use it. You got to spend that yeah. time, you know? And no, I completely agree. Uh, and I think that's uh, a good place uh, that I could put a bow on this. So I'm a good, but you got to right. put in the work. So well, I appreciate yeah. you having me on, man. You know, it's been awesome to watch your journey. You know, at, I appreciate that. It, it's been cool to see your wins out there and know when you win. I'm celebrating for you, man. Dude, I appreciate that. It's been fun doing the same with you. And whether it's catching up with you on uh, whatever social media platform it is or just hanging out with you here, we got to do this more often, even without a podcast. We just got to catch up more. I appreciate you, bro. Absolutely, brother. Definitely appreciate you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for hanging out with me and Ryan Deeds today on The Conversation. We had a good time. I hope the content we brought you made you a better insurance professional. And that's my goal with every one of these podcasts. If you enjoyed it, please reach out to Ryan. Uh, hit him up on LinkedIn or Facebook or you know, email him. Let him know uh, you enjoyed the conversation. Also, hit me up, Heath, at insurancetownpodcast.com. If you think that you'd be a great guest or if you know of a great guest, I love getting those emails from you. Uh, it's a great way for me to connect with people that I may not already know and people that you want to hear from. Please do so. Also, if you've got an idea for your own show, uh, check out getreadysetpodcast.com. My friends over at Ready Set Podcast do a great job. All I do is talk and they do all the rest. Ready, set, podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. Thanks again, guys, and I'll look forward to hanging out with you next week.